702. The Political Desk. It is a political story in a sense, and I think it's got lessons for us uh, when a government uh, becomes known for corruption, for negligence, uh, for greasing palms. Things can go wrong. And the situation that's unfolding in Beirut, Lebanon, is truly, truly frightening. We're joined now uh, by Mia Ferdurin Shamas, who is a South African living in Lebanon. She's a broadcaster. Uh, Mia, very good morning to you. Welcome to 702 Breakfast. Thank you so much for your time. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. You've been in Beirut, as I understand, for a number of years. We've seen, of course, uh, the images first from the blast itself, but now the aftermath. Uh, Can you describe what it's like there on the ground? Well, I mean, to say that it is catastrophe is, I think, putting it lightly. Um, It is absolute pandemonium. It's just destruction wherever you look. Um, you know, people are, the civilians are on the street, cleaning the streets. Um, civilian volunteers are in people's houses and in their hospitals. Over 300,000 families lost their homes in a matter of seconds. And, you know, we had these beautiful old buildings that are now just piles of rubble. Um, beautiful modern buildings that have just been finished in the last six months that are now also, you know, skeletal, basically. Um, I don't think anybody can really imagine it unless they, they are here. Yeah. But if you think of an apocalyptic movie, that's, that's what it looks like. Because uh, what's deceptive, I suppose, from afar is that you're still seeing buildings that are standing. Uh, but from what I understand, uh, many of them um, not only uh, uh, former shadows of what they were, uh, but might need to be leveled because they remain insecure even as they stand. Exactly, exactly. That's 100% correct. There's major structural damage um, to the buildings surrounding that area. So even if their skeletons will stand, you know, they're, they're going to have to be demolished and rebuilt, which who knows it's going to take how long. And, and with the economy the way it is, we're going to see, we're going to see just piles of rubble for a very long time, I think. You've been there for, what, seven years, I understand. I mean, describe the Beirut, the Beirut you've been living in these last few years. Well, you know, Beirut is is an enigma um, because you you still have some remnants of the civil war that they've left sort of as monuments and reminders for people. So you would have this extremely fancy uh, skyscraper and next to it you'd have an old building with bullet holes still in it left as a reminder from the civil war. Um, it's a melting pot of different cultures. You know, you've got Christians and Muslims living together side by side uh, as if there's nothing, you know, different between them. Uh, Lebanon in particular is really amazing in the sense that in the wintertime, you could be sitting at the beach having breakfast and 45 minutes later you can be on the mountainside ski slopes having a great day on the, you know, in the snow. Um, it's it's tourism. It's everything is just really underrated, and and I wish more people would have known about the jewel of Lebanon before this happened. 
And now, who, who knows what's going to happen? Just uh, give us a sense of what uh, the ordinary people in Beirut are dealing with, uh, those who have survived, those who are searching for loved ones, uh, because I understand uh, many, many people are still missing. And, of course, the hospitals are overrun and overwhelmed, both with this incident and, of course, uh, the effects of COVID-19. Yes, absolutely. So the hospitals were already um, full with COVID-19. And then when this happened, they reached breaking point. And a lot of the hospitals were also very damaged in the blast. Um, the main medical storage facility that stores all the medicine for the country was blown up. So we currently have no medicine, uh, which is one of the main things that they need. Uh, you know, some, some simple things like paracetamol. Uh, Panado, you know, um, uh, any antibiotics, things like that. That's that's really, really in high demand right now. And also the medical equipment that was uh, damaged in the blast. On the night of the blast, you know, we, we were seeing pictures on social media of surgeons having to perform surgery using the flashlights on their camera phones because we had no electricity and uh, the, the operating theater equipment was so damaged. Um, so it, it definitely looks like a war zone, if I can put it like that as well. Now, in terms of the, the people, their anger, are, the anger that you can feel on the streets is, is something else. I mean, as I mentioned before, the civilians are cleaning the streets, not the government. The civilian volunteers are in people's uh, houses and in hospitals. And the Lebanese people are raising money globally and distributing it in full transparency. Uh, we had President Emmanuel Macron here yesterday from France. He was on the ground uh, walking around the blast sites, walking around, talking to the victims' families. And the Lebanese people are saying, well, why is the French president doing that and not the Lebanese? You know, we haven't seen our president speaking to families or speaking to victims' families. We haven't seen our prime minister even. So there's really a vacuum felt from the Lebanese government, um, and we are relying on international partners and other countries for yeah. support. Mia Fadouan Shamas, thank you very much for talking to us. She's a singer and broadcaster, South African living in Beirut, describing what she is seeing there on the ground. And of course, the anger is uh, justified. Uh, what uh, what we've seen from Tuesday could have been avoided. Uh, accusations now at the government that it was negligence that led to that huge explosion.